Hello everybody, welcome to the Mel Hammer podcast, it is episode 173. I am Mel from Mel Hammer and I am joined today by the wonderful Mr Stephen Hill, also of Mel Hammer amongst other things. How are you Steve? I'm alright thanks mate, I'm alright. I'm just, um, just looking on... Uh... On a website looking for some band t-shirts, as you caught me doing that when I should be paying attention to you. <laughs> but I believe that's relevant to our sponsor, right? And what? Uh, what it is? That was a nice. That was a nice yeah. link. What? Um, I'm not going to ask you what uh, site you're actually looking at, then, just in no. case. <laughs> but it, it, uh, yes, it, it is. It should a nice be Killstar, right? It should be Killstar. It should. It should be Killstar because I'm honoured to tell everybody listening to this very podcast. That the Malma podcast is indeed sponsored by the wonderful people at Killstar Clothing, whose stuff I do rate very, very highly indeed. You go over to killstar.com right now. You can check out their amazing range of t-shirts, jeans, uh, hoodies, graphic t-shirts, shoes, wallets, bags, homeware items, lifestyle items. I always, I always like run out of uh, space to fit all the things you can get at Killstar in my little blurb when I write it out each week. Uh, but there's loads and loads of stuff. And whether you're like a metalhead like we are, or you consider yourself more of a goth, an emo, a grunger, or just a little bit of everything. It doesn't matter. Everything you could possibly want to suit yourself up and your life around you uh, can be found at killstar.com. So go over to their right now. Uh, it's got the most diverse, badass looking, and importantly of all, most metal as fuck range of clothing and accessories you'll find pretty much anywhere, to be honest. So go over to killstar.com now. Um, I think they've got some uh, discounts going on at the moment as well once you go over to the website. But as I said, they've got loads of different ranges and stuff. So I promise you, if you like the heavy stuff and you like the colour black, which Lord knows everyone listening to this podcast definitely does, you'll find something for yourself over at killstar.com. Do you reckon um, they can uh, sort me out with a Wu-Tang Clan um, vest like I'm trying to get at the moment? That's what I'm, I'm Probably after. not the Wu-Tang, the Wu-Tang vest quite so much. No. Slayer? Maybe somewhere down the line. Somewhere down the line, maybe. We'll see. But uh, <laughs> almost certainly won't be somewhere down the line. But they do have loads of cool t-shirts of their own that look far more metal than a Wu-Tang shirt. So definitely the preferred choice. Um, he says wearing a bright white vest on air right now. But We're wearing summer, the same so thing. We're wearing the same thing, basically, aren't we, me and you? We are basically, yeah. But it's summer, so allow us. It's absolutely baking. We're recording this on Wednesday where, oh, a few stupid people in the UK... Thought that we were going to get a little break because of the thunderstorms. No way. Just an hour of intense rain and then back to horrible heat for the foreseeable. Uh, so we're sweating it out, but we're good to go. Um, we've got a big old review roundup coming up for this week's uh, episode. So many great albums that have recently come out in the last few weeks that we haven't really had the chance to get stuck into yet. We're going to do all of that in a moment. But before... I do all of that. I should also tell you lovely listeners out there that we've just released our brand new issue. The latest issue of Metal Hammer magazine is out right this very second. You can go out and get it in shops across the UK. Go to tinyurl.com slash findhammer to find your nearest stocking shop or go over to tinyurl.com slash gethammer to get it delivered directly to your door. And uh, the cover stars of this month's issue are definitely a bit of me, definitely a bit of you, Steve. The one and only System of a Down as we celebrate 20 years of toxicity. The complete story, the definitive story inside one of the most important, one of the most iconic and one of the most legitimately game-changing metal albums. I think at this stage we can probably say of all time. 
And um, we've talked before about how huge Systems Legacy have been off the back of that album. Chop Suey's smashing through a billion views on YouTube and all the rest of it. So we go into the story behind the album, the crazy build up to it, the quite controversial release of it, how it all got tied into 9-11 and all that crazy conspiracy theory stuff that was going on. There were riots at the release show. There was all sorts of shit going down. It's a fascinating story that you'll only read in full, definitively told by Mr. Dave Everly in the new issue of Hammer. And on top of all that, we also have a ton of other stuff in here as well, such as our immense 10-page download pilot special. If you can get enough of our download pilot coverage right here on the podcast a few weeks back, and of course also um, uh, over the, across the website and social media during the weekend it was on, we have a huge run-through, every single thing you needed to know about that happened over the amazing weekend that was Download Pilot Festival last month. All the bands, all the backstage gossip, all the stuff that was going on, it's all in there. It's an absolutely huge feature. Uh, I should mention as well that it does feature some stuff on Lotus Eater because obviously they played. We've obviously since had a lot of stuff come out about Lotus Eater. We are a monthly magazine. This went to print well before all that stuff came out in the press. Um, so that's why that's all in there. But there's also loads of stuff on a hell of great bands like Malevolence, Death Blooms, Wargasm, Employed to Serve, Loathe, Bleed From Within, Bullet Fire, Valentine, Skin Dreads, While She Sleeps, just stacked with amazing bands. Stacked, a, stacked upon stacks. And A. And A, yes, A are in there as yeah, well. No, a. Forget. Never would I dream of forgetting A. Uh, so that's all in there. What's else in this issue? We've got a big old interview, world exclusive interview with Nightwish genius and main man Thomas Holopainen talking taking us through his incredible life story we take a fascinating look inside the amazing at the gates album which we're going to go into in a bit of depth in just a moment uh, courtesy of death metal brain boffin basically Dom Lawson uh, we got a big feature with times of grace we're doing them in a bit as well uh, we got a big piece with Tim Temple we go inside the explosive Halloween album that united basically all their singers ever and became the biggest thing to hit power metal in a generation we got stuff with arch enemy we got stuff with backwash we got stuff with lingua ignota the who king woman orange goblin oh it's issue stacked doesn't get much more varied than that does it in the world of heavy metal steve no no you've got the most uh, underrated um new metal band in history on the front cover as well which i like <laughs> so i like that comment on our instagram page when you put the most underrated new metal band in someone says this move down i think at this point that'd be like calling metallica the most underrated thrash band right they're fucking yeah. it's like them them they're massive mate they're, they're doing really, all right they're really they... quite a big band do you know what i mean yeah. um yeah yeah it sounds uh, sounds good i mean from there's nothing i that i've done in that that you've just mentioned i have to be honest so i'm coming at it purely from a fan's perspective this month don't know what's going on there like you guys shutting me out are you? is that what's going on here don't look at me boy i'm not commissioning much these days so <laughs> it's true <laughs> yeah uh, i'm sure i've got something in there if you like reading my words but i'm here that's the most important thing right you are here. I'm sure you got some reviews. I'm going to find some Stephen yeah. Hill, some spicy no, no, Stephen no. Hill content. No, no one needs that, dude. No, you said it now. Oh, you've got a, a very excellent box review of the new Ghost album, which is cool, or Ghost, whichever one you, you call it, the synthwave scary lad, amongst other things. So yeah, don't worry, Steve, you're in there as well. Oh, good. Thank you very much. You're in there as well. Uh, and speaking of reviews, this week is a review roundup. Uh, there's been a load of, I mean... Maybe the most prolific few weeks this whole year for metal, to be honest. There's been so much stuff coming out and like big releases as well. This isn't like underground stuff we're digging into here. This is like big time albums that are coming out left, right and center. Um, also this week, 
uh, well, last week now, I guess, last Thursday, we saw the official return of Iron Maiden, their first new single in six years, the writing on the wall, announcing the arrival of their 17th studio album, titled Senjutsu. It's coming out on September 3rd, and it features maybe the most badass-looking Eddie of, I don't know, certainly the Modern Maiden era, a samurai Eddie, looking awesome, writing on the wall, Senjutsu, it's all going on, very, very exciting stuff for the greatest heavy metal band of all time, trademark. Um, <laughs> what did you think, Steve? I was quite interested to let, to know your opinion on uh, the writing on the wall. I think you might not be too surprised to know mine, but I felt it was quite a different Maiden song, especially for a lead single, so I was interested to see what you made of it as someone who has quite specific preferences when it comes to Maiden. Yeah, I thought it was all right. I thought it was all right. I thought, like, I appreciated the brevity of it, I think. I think Maiden are at their <laughs> best when they're kind of going balls to the wall, full-blown Steve Harris rumbling, career in freight train bass, big air raid siren vocals, those lovely melodic dual guitar parts. It's when they get into the, I mean, looking at the track listing for the album, I was like, it's, oh, it's monstrous, isn't it? Oh God, here we go. Cause it's another fucking double album. Like after the last one, which was a bit much. And I, I'm less of a fan of Maiden's more progressively minded tendencies. I think, I think, you know, don't actually think they're very good at it to be perfectly honest. I think there are actual prog bands who are actually good at it. And then I made a, a heavy metal band who have a go at doing something different, which I appreciate, but I'm not sure their strength particularly lies in that stuff to my ears. Um, but I quite like this song because yeah, like you say, tonally, it was slightly different. The guitar tone to it sounded a bit more um, cutting, um, a bit more raucous than they have sounded, I think in, in a little while. I mean, I, I, the last Maiden album that I can say I, I really liked was A Matter of Life and Death. And I think a big part of that was... Brilliant album. A big part of that was Kevin Shirley's um, production on it, which gave Maiden a kind of rawness, which I, I think is has been lacking somewhat in, in, in their kind of... That's sort of, I guess, is it the second or third? Maybe yeah, the third act of their career, I guess, to kind of return to, to Bruce Dickinson. Um, and I, I do actually really, really like that record. And this gave me not musically similar vibes, but it gave me the same sort of energetic feeling. So I'm quite glad there's there's a bit of energy behind the song. And I think sometimes Maiden can be accused of being a little bit too um, sort of chin strokey for their own good over the last decade or so i would say yeah i get that i know that um some fans certainly uh you know it, it is a it's an objective fact that in their 21st century incarnation maiden have got more progressive more kind of bold with their willingness to just throw traditional song structures out the window and just go as long as they want um i think that uh well firstly i think it's interesting that you made a, a matter of life and death comparison there for a reason that I can't probably properly go into yet, but we will definitely revisit somewhere down the line on another podcast. But um, uh, the first of all, I think that the double album thing is a bit of a red herring with Maiden because even though the last record had some monstrous tracks on it, they're not like this album in particular isn't like a, a, not massively longer than other Maiden albums have been. If you know what I mean. Um, it, they probably could have got away with doing it as one 
album. It's like 10 tracks, even though some of those tracks are enormously long. Um, so I don't know if it's quite the same as, for instance, when Metallica did a double album and it felt like, a, you know, two very significant separate things either side of a either side of a record. Um, for me, like, it's funny that you talk about prog bands doing prog better than Maiden because I don't really like prog, but I like when Maiden go long. Um, and I've always found that dynamic weird for me because I objectively can't argue against the fact that when Maiden go long, they are doing prog. Like, it is a prog metal uh, thing that they're doing with tracks like Empire of the Clouds and everything else. Um, but I really like when Maiden do it. And on the last album even though a lot of people kind of gave a lot of time to the empire of the clouds, cause it was the, you know, the longest track they'd ever done. And it had a big story about this airship and it was the, had Bruce playing the piano and all this stuff. The red and the black was the second longest track on there. And that in itself was like 11 minutes long. And since that album has come out, the red and the black has probably become one of my top 10 or so favorite. I made songs of all time. I think it's an absolutely astonishingly good song. Um, so I've definitely got no issue with the, the going long thing that Maiden do because I think I think they're really good at it and I think they I think they manage to mix up the pacing and the the structure of those songs enough so that it keeps my interest. Um, that all said, uh, first time I heard writing on the wall, I was a little bit thrown by it because as much as Maiden have had lead singles in years gone by that aren't necessarily the fast, snappy, gung ho, gallopy ones like you know I think the first track they released off. Um, out of life and death was actually the reincarnation of benjamin Bree, which is like a six or seven minute song um but different worlds really was the was the track that i think that album's campaign kind of properly properly kind of hung around um but um generally speaking um most maiden lead singles certainly in the modern era end up being uh, fast, pacey, urgent songs. Wicker Man, um, the lead single of uh, of Dance of Death, which name I've frustratingly suddenly forgotten. Oh, you can't ask uh, me, mate. Fuck me. Uh, why is my brain gone? Wildest Dreams, that's it. Um, yeah, Wildest Dreams, Wicker Man, um, El Dorado, um, uh, Speed of Light off the last album. They're all kind of, at the very least, kind of fast, fun songs. Um and this isn't that this the writing on the wall is this kind of low driving a uh, kind of low ebb driving almost like country like outlaw country kind of goes heavy metal vibe i think it's a, it's not completely different to other stuff they've done but for a lead single and for a kind of the set the tone of a new album it felt quite jarring to me at first but it's really really grown on me and now i think it's a fucking absolute banger of a track i think the kind of the way it builds the kind of darkness kind of wrapped up in it um tonally it sounds like a very seething angry maiden song um i think bruce's kind of lower voice register uh works really well for a song like this it gives it a slightly different um vibe to the kind of like you said the kind of air raid siren that he brought in the past uh, i think it's a great track and uh obviously as every maiden fanboy has done and fangirl i've spent a long time pouring over that video as well and there's just so many fun references in there um for maiden fans uh and the thing that samurai eddie is absolutely badass and i can't wait to probably lose my shit buying every bit of merch that it's stuck on like the shameless <laughs> maiden hack i am um 
but yeah I'm, I'm excited about it and I think that uh, I think the single's really good and I think it feels different it doesn't just feel like oh yeah yeah it's just this just feels like a standard I made a new single to lead to a new album it feels like it's it's set down a slightly different sense of intrigue ahead of the record so I'm excited and I can quite safely say that next month we will be going very big indeed on the new I made an album um but we'll probably have to return to that at a later time so well, mate, can I just say before we move on um what I would say about this song and I think it's kind of interesting that you picked up on a song like like I mean you know when you go back to the Wicker Man yeah yeah, yeah. I mean you got to remember the Wicker Man's 21 years ago yep. now 21 years so it's not like that's a new song really it might be a new song in terms of the entirety of Iron Maiden's back catalogue but it's really more like a mid-period song at this point I think but yeah and even El Dorado is 11 years you know and Speed of Light's six years now um but El Dorado and Speed of Light I, I mean they were the two out they were the two songs that I were like that I was like you know they did try and do that thing that they used to do, but I don't think they really captured it. And I think that's why I prefer this, because it's not too proggy. It felt fairly instantaneous to me. As someone who doesn't need Iron Maiden to sound like classic Iron Maiden to enjoy it or for them to uh, lean on those proggy bits or, you know, I'm not a purist of what I need Iron Maiden to sound like in any way whatsoever, unless you count just like in the Paul Diano era, which I am slightly guilty of, admittedly. But... um. But I kind of like the fact that I was like, well, good. You know, you found a way to do something catchy and a bit different and actually still sound like you've got a lot of energy, which I like. When I listened to Speed of Light, I was like, it sounds like someone, I don't know. I thought it sounded like it was an attempt to, you know, you watch like a footballer and they're 36 and you go, oh, they've lost a yard of pace or whatever. That's how I felt about a lot of the recent Iron Maiden stuff when they try and do the kind of heavy metal bombast. And I just, I'm not sure that they can do that anymore. So it's good that, um, and then they've replaced that with the more progressive stuff, which I don't really care for. But I like this because it felt like it wasn't doing either of those things. It still felt quite exciting and urgent and like I say it sounded quite different but it didn't have to rely on the pace of Iron Maiden whilst also still being quintessentially and quite obviously Iron Maiden like you listen to it and you go that's obviously Iron Maiden you know it's got enough about it that you go why it couldn't be anyone else um so yeah I was genuinely fairly surprised by it I mean I don't love it I've only listened to it maybe three times and every time I've listened to it I've gone that's actually pretty good but that is about as far as I've got. I would say. I'm interested no, to hear. The, I'm interested to hear the album. Well, yeah, that's got to be a good a lead single's probably always done its job when uh, that's uh, that's the knock-on effect, I guess. But yeah, mm. I, I think it's an absolute banger of a song, and um, uh, I can already feel it feels like it's going to be a big song live because it's got that kind of big sing-along vibe to it, but a slightly different one to what you're used to with the big maiden anthems. So. Yeah, it's interesting. It's good to see Maiden, you know, doing things a bit differently. And uh, fuck, man, my favourite metal band of all time back in the game. I can't really not be happy about that. Um, I've just realised we spent nearly 20 minutes talking about one song. So we should probably get stuck into the meat of uh, this. Quite a big song, to be fair. Yeah, to be fair. Yeah, the biggest metal song release of this year by an absolute, like, Mm. runaway. So I think that's fair enough. Um, But there has been a ton of brilliant stuff. Uh, and important stuff and big stuff and cutting edge stuff that's come out in the metal world in the last few weeks. So we get stuck into some of those now as well. First up, simply because it happened to be the first one I went back to when we were preparing for this week, uh, Times of Grace. 
uh, the those kind of side projects from Jesse Leach and Adam D from Killswitch Engage brought out their first album, Hymns of a Broken Man, um, uh, 10 years ago this year, actually, which is absolutely crazy. So this is their sophomore album, in fact, Songs of Loss and Separation, out now via Wicked Good. I think it only came out on Friday. Um, I really liked the first Times of Grace album. Uh, when it came out, I, obviously, Jesse wasn't in Killswitch at that point, and I was really interested to see what what uh, what an, a, an album featuring those two Killswitch OGs would sound like. Um, and I liked it. Uh, but with Killswitch Engage, with Jesse back in the band, now being an active concern, I was, I was interested in what Times of Grace was offered, but it was also kind of like, well... You know, I loved that last Killswitch album. I know you weren't so keen on it, Steve, but I really, really liked it. So for me, it's like, I don't really see why I need what is probably not going to be as good as their main thing coming out again. Um, And when I first listened to it, I wasn't that taken away with it immediately because it is overall much slower paced. It's a very different vibe, very different emotional hits, I think, for the most part, even though Jesse's never, you know, been shy of wearing his heart on his sleeve with the lyrics and stuff. And Steve, you're actually the one who kind of said, no, I really, really like this. I really like this. And I came back to it um, in the run up to this podcast and gave it a few spins. And uh, yeah, it's a fucking great album, actually. It's a really, really good album. And it is very different, I think, tonally um, in terms of most of the songs on them. Not all of them, but we'll get to that uh, from what these two do in Killswitch. Um yeah, I found and I found it a very emotional listen as well. I think Adam's vocals are much more forthcoming on this album, and that make, really makes this record feel, I think, almost more personal in terms of the connection between him and Jesse. Um, as always with uh, Jesse, I think specifically, but with these two, there's like very spiritual lyricism all over the place, quite religious lyricism all over the place. Um, so there's a lot more of that here. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on in it, and it really makes for a quite compelling listen. I think. Um, you you kind of gravitated towards this album quicker than I did, didn't you? Yeah, I I mean to be perfectly honest, I think it, it, yeah. Again, I mean I got it, and I was a bit like, well, a bit like you, you know. We've got this at the time when Him of a Broken Man came out. You're like, oh wow, Jesse Leach and uh, and Adam D doing a thing. That's exciting, and it came out, and you just you know it was a pretty good record. It's a pretty good record. I don't think it was a million miles away from what Killswitch Engage had been doing I mean particularly with those last few albums with Howard maybe less so that when Dissander Descent came out but once Dissander Descent came out I did think there is really no point in having Times of Grace anymore you know Jesse's back in the band it felt like a really necessary bridge to get those two people back together but since then Kilsich and Gage have been um, I would say you know I don't think they've been as consistent as you've as you have made them out to be like, I think, you know, incarnate is all right. It's got a couple of great songs on it. I think the last one had a couple of great songs in it as well. Disarmed descent's the one for me, which I think is great and live. They're still amazing, but I was like times of grace. Do, does the world need a time to grace album? Like what are they bringing to the table? And I think what they're bringing to the table is very, very deliberately leaning less on heavy metal and more on grunge alternative rock, post-punk kind of quieter more gothic sort of soundscapes and I can't really sit here and say this is the most unique or original album 
of material that we're going to cover today. But it does kind of that US radio rock thing mixed with something with a bit more... Uh, with a bit more kind of critical um, acceptance, something that people who like 90s rock music, something like Temple of the Dog. I think in in my review I said for fans of Temple of the Dog. Now, that's obviously a huge call to be comparing it to, you know, Eddie Vedder and Chris Cornell uh, and, and that album, and people have a real soft spot for something like Temple of the Dog. But to me, actually, it hits the same sort of emotional resonant, reference points you know um jesse's performance on this i think is beautiful i think it's just like such a such an honest raw incredible performance from jesse and i think between the two of them they've made something which i found initially straight away really affecting there are songs on it that, like, that I'm, you know, it sounds a bit kind of hippie-ish or whatever, but sort of from my first listen, Move Me to Tears on my first listen. I mean, I would particularly, there's a few, but I would particularly shout out the song To Carry the Weight, which I think is one of my favourite songs of the entire year. And I think the sentiment about, you know, helping people through... Uh, grief and tough things that they've gone through in their life and and saying it with you know it's there's nothing unique or original about this album but it's just it's 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 kind of strength is in its beautiful simplistic honesty and it delivers these messages in um in, not in a showy way and not in a kind of clever or arch way at all it is just literally rip my chest open and watch watch my heartbeat and sometimes when you do that with the kind of integrity that someone like Jesse Leach or Adam D does it doesn't need to be anything other than just really really great rock songs I think the production on it's great there are a few nods to stuff like Slow Dive and The Cure which I really appreciate so I think there are enough little kind of nods and winks to to kind of you know those 80s post-punk bands there's lots of nods and winks to stuff like Alice in Chains and Temple of the Dog and Stone Temple Pilots um that make me go oh this is a bit of you know a little bit of nutshell or a, you know a little bit of um kind of disintegration era the cure and all that stuff is cool but ultimately it works because it's a really honest moving portrayal of some quite kind of sad things and that's that's enough for me do you know what I mean like that sometimes that's enough and when it's done to this standard I think it's absolutely enough it's it's just a lovely record I think yeah it really is and um yeah carry the weight is a is a wonderful song um that was a spot of pick out of the out of the bunch really but there's I mean I, there's not really a bad track on this album I mean I really like the song cold as well and I was kind of listening to that today again and thinking like a song like that in the hands, in the wrong hands, especially in the hands of metal musicians, like could have ended up being a really saccharine, wishy-washy, limp kind of ballad-y thing that wouldn't have worked. But because it's in the hands of these two great artists, and I do think, you know, like Jesse Leach is just by far and away, I think almost the best personality in metal in terms of being able to do this kind of thing with an earnestness that just completely sweeps you up away in it emotionally um 
uh and yeah when these two do this kind of stuff it just completely works and there's there's interesting stuff all over the place so yeah they're kind of grungier references and post-punky references you pointed out are really interesting um the song mend you the kind of drum rolls and bass lines on it almost give it like a bit of like i don't want to say gent but a bit of a big like kind of of that world vibe it feels mm. very different it's not the kind of thing you would hear on kill a uh, kill switch album i don't think um, no, that's, was, a great, that's a great song, by the way. That is a great song. Yeah. And it's one of the moments where they do kind of go, there is a bit of like metal in it. Do you know, like, there's not a lot of metal metal on this record. No. But I mean, that's one of the that few moments and, um, there is. Definitely. That and Rescue as well was the one that I thought just kind of did sound like that could be off a Killswitch Engage album. But not, not in a bad way. It's like big riffs, searing melodies, massive, instantly singable Jesse Leach chorus. Like, that's all my shit. So I'm very happy with that as well. Um, like but yeah it just i just think it all really works and uh i thought the song i'm not heavenless was the one that struck me the most because as i said there's a lot of spirituality and and kind of side religious um lyricism going on in this album which is not unusual for jesse at all but uh i'm not heavenless is very dramatic there's a big spoken word passage in here from jesse where he's really rallying against the hypocrisy of religion and the righteousness of religion um, the 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 lyrical refrain of who deserves salvation, who deserves damnation, all that kind of stuff. Really, really strong stuff. And again, like you said, Steve, it's not rewriting the rule book for a lot of what rock covers, what metal covers, you know, religious sentiment, emotional sentiment, dealings with grief. These are all concepts that we see all over the place in a lot of the music that we cover. But when it's done so earnestly and candidly and openly as these two have done it, um, I'm aware that there's more members in Times of Grace as well, but obviously it's their band ultimately. It just it just works really well, and and yeah, after kind of to my ignorance, dismissing it a little bit at first, when I really engaged with it, I found it quite an affecting listen, and it's it's great, it's really really strong, and I think if if you were an idiot like me who kind of overlooked it because you you know you're just all about that kill switch life, definitely come back to it because uh it's very very different from kill switch engage and in this case it's a really good thing for that um yeah it's great and i should add also that we do have a uh, feature with times of grace in the last issue about hammer out right now right now where am i from right now no that was terrible scottish accent sorry to our scottish listeners um but it is out right now uh, and we got Matt Mills to conduct an interview where Jesse and Adam actually interview each other, which made for a really interesting dynamic. So they've obviously known each other for decades and it resulted in a really interesting feature. So go pick up the latest issue of Mount Hammer to read that. Um, yeah. I just want to say quickly before we move on, I think it's a really kind of astute point that you've made regarding um, the fact that it could be sort of in the hands of other people. This could be quite a kind of eye-rolling experience like I have to say when it first started playing because the first time I listened to it I knew I was reviewing it for the magazine so I think I listened to it quite intently and I was like and I was reading the press release which mentions you know the cure and and, and often when metal bands start saying oh you know we're trying to you know do a bit like Joy Division or a bit like The Cure or whatever, and you are like, oh, God, it never works that well for you guys, unfortunately. But um, but as I kind of, I mean, you know, just looking at the track list, and like you say, there is clearly a lot of stuff like, the, you know, the the burden of belief and stuff. And Jesse's a, a, is genuinely a spiritual and religious person, and he knows who he is, and he's aware of 
what he believes in and he has a real sort of strength in his convictions and he's not afraid to express that and I think he expresses it in in a really rare way for, for, for metal and you might go what really like lots of people do songs about you know religion and they do that kind of like Jamie Jaster's always doing the positive PMA stuff but I don't think anyone quite does it quite like Jesse Leach, Leach. and I think this album is proof of um, you know, I think the Killswitch albums that he's done are prove it well enough. But I think this really is irrefutable, clear proof that Jesse Leach is a, um, I think, just a, a far more um, connected human being than so many of the other artists that we might kind of not want to hear doing a sort of Smashing Pumpkins Cure-esque album. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I think that um yeah, you know, some some bands probably need to stay in their lane when it comes to trying to do this kind of stuff, but these two absolutely don't. And I mean, you know, I've got a kill switch lyric on my arm. Like I don't need to tell people how much I love that band and, and Jesse's uh presence in that band and just in the metal scene in general has absolutely um kind of uh I guess like accelerated almost my love for that band, which goes back, you know, nearly 20 years now, as we were just saying before we started recording. So yeah, it's really, really good. Go listen to that um, Times of Grace album because it is great. And then when you want a similarly interesting, but very, very, very different listen straight after that, uh, At The Gates recently released a new album, The Nightmare of Being, out now on Century Media. Um, This is now the third At The Gates album since the band had their triumphant comeback earlier on uh last decade um uh i don't know where you stood on their kind of post comeback stuff steve i thought at war with reality was fucking great when that came out it was really like a oh yeah this is how you do melodic death metal by the way pretty much everyone in the scene maybe with the exception of the black dahlia murder <laughs> but i mean this like that was a problem like this is how this shit's meant to be done um i didn't really listen to drink from the night itself quite so much i know if you really pick it apart there were some slightly different things going on back then but i kind of felt like the the glory of at the gates being back kind of was enough for me to just stick with what they'd done to up until that point um this album though the nightmare of being there's some interesting stuff going on on this record that i don't think we've necessarily really heard from at the gates before what did you think of this album yeah, I mean, I gotta be honest. I went into this album uh, with a little bit of trepidation for a couple of reasons. Um, Slaughter of the Soul is one of the fucking great metal albums ever, ever, ever. And I mean, literally any metal album you want to put up against it, Slaughter of the Soul, it will, it will probably match it. You know, like it is an absolute all-time genre-defining classic. But I have to be honest, I'm not sure that At the Gates as a band are quite as brilliant and consistent as people make them out to be. To me, Slaughter of the Soul stands head and shoulders far and away, way beyond anything else that they've ever done before. I think even if you go back to, you know, Terminal Spirit Disease, I think is a pretty good record. That's a pretty good record. But when you go back to, you know, the Red Skies Ours and the Fur, the Fear Kiss, Burning Kiss, um, whatever that one was called, those first two, they're fine. Do you know what I mean? They're fine. And when they came back with At War With Reality, I remember being really, really excited to hear it and thinking it was good. You know what I mean? And it, and it is good. But I think when you compare it to the back, like for me, if you look at the gates and you could, who I, you know, who I do like, but you compare their back catalog with something like Carcass, 
for when Carcass came back and Surgical Steel came out and even like you know I listened to Swan Song by Carcass the other day and I was like fucking hell like they you know they're not they're not just they're not just heartwork Carcass and I feel like At the Gates have got this one album which kind of dwarfs the rest of their back catalogue and so with the kind of the law of diminishing returns I thought you know um, War of Reality was good it's like a decent comeback record but I think people got excited about it because first out the gates album in ages to drink from the night itself yeah again probably not quite as good and so you've got this very very typical of music in general the comeback band with the law of sort of diminishing returns as they get deeper and deeper into their career and that's why i am so brilliantly beautifully surprised by how great this record is it's not just a great out the gates record it's a great out the gates record with a load of other stuff that you wouldn't necessarily associate with at the gates doing and they've they've done it really well little power metal bits in there almost kind of southern fried um corrosion of conformity-esque parts at the end of the the last song which i've the name of it escapes me at the moment eternal winter of reason um it's got this kind of like coc vibe to it a little bit which you'd never ever associate with at the gates at all that kind of frosty dimu borgir style symphonic blackened sort of metal melodeath thing that they add in there bits of like sludge and stompier more kind of um uh doomy things which again it's not really at the gates wheelhouse necessarily and all it does is it means that when they do go into a song like um the abstract enthroned when, and the riff is holy shit and it sounds like classic at the gates you get an instant boner like a metal boner <laughs> it is fucking great this album is shockingly great i have to say as someone who is incredibly nervous and skeptical about it i think this album is a fucking great record i agree unconditionally with every single thing you just said there actually um about this album um i mean i think i don't know i think kind of uh, throughout the gates uh, yeah slaughter of the soul is really the only classic out the gates album i've been with real regularity but i know that that's not the case for a lot of kind of what i would describe as like true death metal fans like you know dom lawson who did an excellent feature on this album in the new issue that's out now um he's i know that he's got a lot of time for those other records as well but he he actually said that he genuinely thinks he would put this new album shoulder to shoulder with just about anything they've ever done and he was like yep including that album which is pretty high praise whichever way you look at it um i mean i don't know if i go that far but i do genuinely think this is by distance the best record out the gates have done since lord of the soul um and it's by distance probably the most interesting record they've ever done because it's just got so much going on. I mean, that song Garden of Cyrus is just so fascinating. The kind of woozy, slow-ebbing, quite kind of miasmic track punctuated by that saxophone solo and this kind of spoken word vocal performance by Thomas Lindbergh. I mean, even when it gets to his screams, they're kind of more, they sound more like a kind of righteous preacher barking out uh, like you know, passages from the Bible or something than they do like just a typical death metal performance. Um, it's really, really weird stuff, but it's really fucking good. I actually wrote the song Touched by the White Hands of Death. The opening moments of that 
genuinely sound like something Danny Elfman might have written for the opening credits of a Nightmare Before Christmas sequel. It's really out there and like, what is going on here? Um, and then that song does kind of explode into more like full-on melodic death metal. And you're right, when those moments come, they're like, ah, that's like so well-timed and so well-implemented. Um, yeah, I love the kind of doomy rumble that goes into full-on prog rock weirdness of the fall into time. Um, yeah, cosmic pes- pessimism. Uh, that's got a really cool, relentless drive to it that just is, again, quite far away from anything else they've done. Lyrically very interesting as well. I have not done enough of the background reading to fully understand everything that's going on on this album, but um, the new the Dom's feature talks about how um, Thomas was influenced by uh, the world of philosoph- philosophical pessimism, which is shaped by the works of Thomas Ligotti and Eugene Thacker. Um, uh, so, I mean, at the gates always go quite deep and philosophical on their stuff, but there's a lot going on there as well. If you want to kind of delve into all that I side did, of things. I did not know that. That's that's interesting to know. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, but if you don't, if you can't be asked to <laughs> engage with all that side of it, it's just a fucking killer, killer, killer metal album. And whether you've, I would say, even if you've not considered yourself a big at the gates fan before, this is a really cool album to just dip into with them because it's so vast and varied and interesting that... Um, it really kind of has just reinvigorated them and just makes you think, well, where could they go from here? Because now, like, it doesn't seem like they're doomed to, like you said, the classic music thing of being a reunited band who are just going to pull out, uh, you know, six to seven, maybe if they're lucky, eight out of ten metal album every few years. It just sounds basically like most other things they've done. This is the most unique At The Gates album ever. and um, it's fucking great. It's just fucking great. It's really nice to hear. I mean, you know, like when I first heard it, I almost was, ah, should I say that I was disappointed? I was disappointed. I, I wasn't disappointed, but I was like, oh, I mean, at the gates are so good at doing that thing that I was like, they should surely just do that thing, right? Surely you should know at this stage in your career, just do the slaughter of the soul thing. You're bloody great at it. You're bloody great at doing that, and you should maybe just do that. And at first, I was a bit like, "Or oh, are they bitten off more than they can chew here? Are they taking too many risks?" And the fact that a couple of listens in, I started going, "I mean, they have taken a lot of risks, but they've pulled them off." And I think it's one thing to, I mean, like we were just saying about Jesse and Adam D, like you know, it's one thing to take a risk, and that should be applauded. But you kind of take a risk and have a little listen back to it and think, do I actually want people to hear this or not? And this is two for two, I think, where you've got people who actually are capable of evolving their sound and not just sounding like it's done for commercial reasons or kudos or because it's what they think they should do or because they've got ideas above their station. Like it's it's proper, right? You know, it's proper brilliantly executed the power you know i'm not a massive power metal fan or symphonic black metal fan i am a big fan of kind of um creation and conformity and i think there's only one song where they really kind of dip into that but all of those things sound to me just as good as the very best of the stuff i do like from that genre surrounded by really really great melodeath riffs when they finally do kind of go you know that 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 double time and they hit you with some amazing riffs yeah, it's just a really dynamically crisp, interesting record. And it's quite, you know, 
I often talk about these kind of more extreme metal albums and go, ah, you know, like it kind of, it runs its course very, very, you know, you don't, I don't do I really need at the age of 41, do I need 10, 12 more of these songs? Not really. I'm always sort of done by about track four or five. Uh, this really holds my attention to the end of the record. It's it's really good. And it keeps getting better as well. You know, I mean, I first, this has been out a little while now. And when I first sort of, you know, reviewed it on my other podcast, or Riot Act, I was like, yeah, it's good, but, I'm, you know, it is really good. Whereas now, I've rinsed it a couple of times afterwards, and I think I like it even even more now. I uh, I concur. This, this album gets better every time I listen to it, because there's so much more stuff to pick out each time. Um, speaking of kind of bands that are in a groove, and are kind of, have definitely worked out what they're good at from day one, and just kind of smash through that pretty much every album to generally very high um, levels of decency in my in my personal opinion. We're gonna do the new Betty album. <laughs> uh, this is below uh, the fourth Beartooth records. Um, again, Beartooth are a band that for me, I mentioned them when we reviewed the Atreyu records a few weeks ago, when I said that in terms of all those bands that do like polished, super catchy bouncy modern metalcore post-hardcore whatever the hell you want to call it i think Beartooth are by far and away the best of the bunch because not only do they sound i think quite unique in that scene i think they sound a little bit aside from most of those other bands um, but i think there's an earnestness to Beartooth that i don't find in a lot of the rest of that scene um and the fact that they're fucking great live band as well always helps uh, and uh, this is yet another slab of fun, urgent, catchy, bouncy metalcore bangers. But I do think that for this album, um, I think it's a bit heavier than everything they've done before. I think it's more frenzied. I think there's uh, a few interesting details on this album that I've not really heard Beartooth do before. Um, and I think, I mean, I love Beartooth. I think it's a fucking great record. I'm interested to know your thoughts on this, Steve, because I imagine you're not the world's biggest Beartooth fan I'm not the world's biggest Beartooth fan but I don't dislike them by any stretch of the imagination you know I thought um, when um, Disgusting came out in 2014 I remember thinking you know that's good and it kind of they're basically they're, they're to, to me they've always been sort of every time I die but a bit catchier and a bit poppier do you know what i mean like they've got kind of yeah, that's the, fair. The, the more sort of um pg rated version of every time i die and every time i die are one of the fucking all-time great bands ever like they're amazing so i don't think that's an insult to say that you're kind of just basically a more commercially viable version of that and i think they really nailed a few there's a handful on disgusting of really amazingly catchy super kind of OTT, brilliantly bouncy pop metalcore bangers. And I don't, I think they're, they're pretty undeniable. I do feel like they slightly dropped the ball a little bit when, what was the next album that came out? Aggressive. That was uh, Aggressive, yeah. Yeah. I feel like the last, second to last song on that is called Rock Is Dead. Um, and that al- that song is just so much better than everything else on the entire record. It's an absolute rager. And I felt like it was the one time where I, I felt like those polishy bits 
got polished a little bit too much. You know, you sort of polish something and you're like, oh, that's nice and shiny now. But if you polish it too much, the kind of veneer comes off a little bit and you're sort of left with nothing. And I felt like Beartooth had polished everything a little bit too much on that record. But then right at the end, they remembered to kind of keep it quite heavy. And that song is really heavy. I have to be perfectly honest with you. I'm not sure I've ever listened to Disease, the 2018 third album, because... I don't know, I just got slightly like, ah, you know, Beartooth, they're fine, whatever, but I'm not excited or anything about them as a band particularly. I will say they've always been fucking excellent live. Fucking excellent live. Um, really good as the sort of the, I guess, the ambassadors for music that was made after 1990 on the download main stage, uh, the year that they played it. Um, they were really good uh, and sort of the only band who looked like, you know, they weren't about 70 years old so that was good and um and yeah so i got no beef for Beartooth particularly so i can't say i was coming into this being like super excited but i wasn't really coming into it being like i hate this band either and i think it is pretty good i think it seems to me like this is the second best Beartooth album i still think the first one is the best but from what i've heard of the three of the four I would probably say this is the second best one. Okay. I'm in, I'm interested to know what you think is different about them in in this album because I've got to be honest. If I did have one major criticism about it, it was I put it on and I went, "This sounds like Beartooth." The end. Yeah, don't get me wrong. This is not an at the gates esque uh, manic detour from what Beartooth do. And if I was going to try and convince someone of why Beartooth are a great band, I wouldn't necessarily say those details on this would be enough to do that if they were a bit of a cynic in the first place or anything like that. Um, I mean, first of all, I, I actually agree with you. I think the second Beartooth Records was a step down. I think that was... It's weird when you get bands that have a formula and sometimes they just stick to that formula, but it's just not as good. The second Beartooth album to me was basically like disgusting done again but just to not just not to the same quality at all um but then the third record uh uh disease um that <laughs> that was kind of like they did do the same thing again but it was fucking great and i couldn't tell you exactly what it was that they just got it got so right on that last album but i remember by the time i heard disease i was like uh like i don't know aggressive didn't blow my mind. I kind of feel like that was a bit of a one and done thing for that band. And I put the, the record on it and it ended up being quite hard for my end of year list, I think. It's a fucking great album. Um, and I think this record keeps that quality up. I think it's another example of Beartooth doing what they do. Um, and in this case, I think they've done it fucking really well, again, really well again. I think it's a great album. I think it might even be a bit better than Disease. I don't know how I would compare it to Disgusting because disgusting was the first time we'd heard Beartooth and it's hard to kind of get over how fun and refreshing and different and um you know just apart from the rest of that scene that album felt when it first came out I think they're always going to struggle to beat that bar because they have they, they've kind of created some true modern anthems on that record um but I do think it sounds really good. I think I think overall this album is a bit heavier than the, than anything they've the done before. There's a bit more of an urgency around all these tracks, a bit more of a kind of frenzied feel around some of the punky moments on these tracks. Um, 
you know, you think about a song like Fed Up, which admittedly is not the most defiant and inspiring song title I've ever heard. When I saw they called a song Fed Up, I was a bit like, oh, why have you called it that? Um, it just makes you think of The Office. Dawn, um, I'm fed up. <laughs> Caleb, I'm fed up. <laughs> um, but uh, I think, like, a song like Fed Up is a good example of why nobody does what Beartooth does. And I hear what you're saying about every time I die. There's definitely a ton of them in this band. But in terms of taking that, some of that formula and making it catchier and bigger sounding and bouncier, I think Fed Up is an example why there's no one that can do what Beartooth do like Beartooth can. They are absolutely in a class of one when it comes to doing this kind of music. Because the fucking riff running through this song sways so hard if that was on like a like a quote-unquote proper metal bands album you'd be like oh this is like the most metal thing i've heard all year it sounds fucking great um and then it bursts into this searing catchy heartfelt chorus that just works we talk about the earnestness with times of grace that makes that album work so well and i think the earnestness around Beartooth is what makes them work so well because it's not it's not cynical it's not kind of done because it's the cool thing to do you believe every single word that that caleb sings and screams out on on songs like these um and i think there are a few interesting things going on there's a bit of death kind of subtle death metally kind of riffing going on on dominate that i've not really heard them do before and also kayla's kayla's vocals sound like rawer and, and angrier and kind of scratchier in a way that he hasn't really before and um, there's obviously the last riff at the end which basically just goes full crowbar which is just so much fun and he's obviously put that on there because it's just he's come up with this massive big fuck off new orleansy riff that he doesn't really know what to do with so he's just stuck on the end of the album um so yeah it would be it would be a bit misleading of me to say that this is like a drastic leap away from beartooth but there's just enough on there where i think it sets aside from what they've done so far but overall it is basically beartooth doing beartooth and they do it better than anyone else can. And I think that I, you know, if they keep on putting out albums, the quality of this and disease, I'll be more than happy to have a new Beartooth album in my life every two or three years, because I just absolutely love what they do. I really believe in this band. Yeah. Fed up. I mean, mentioning it, I know you've gone a bit past it now, but fed up, fed up was definitely a song that stood out for me. And I think I do like Beartooth when Caleb sounds really manic like that's, uh, you know, he, he's a good singer, he's a great vocalist, great presence. He writes some, I'd say, pretty interesting lyrics. I mean, certainly for that scene, if he's coming from that kind of warped or metal, modern metalcore, you know, like for, for one of those bands, they are definitely one of the best bands of that sort of era. And he certainly writes lyrics, which I think are, are, are catchier and just a little bit more interesting than the majority of his peers and um but it's when he kind of sounds like he's when like when, you know when you hear a band and their singer goes off and you feel like you can hear the studio walls you can hear them kind of reverberating around the studio walls like they're throwing themselves around the studio you know sometimes you listen to a band you're like well the singer's standing still and i can just hear his voice but sometimes you can hear the singer moving it's almost like he's he's playing live as he's singing it. And I like on this record where he really loses his shit. And I think that's always been a strength of theirs. And that is definitely something, although there is catchy choruses and they are much more of a sort of melodic band than the sort of proper, uh, the every time I dies of this world or whoever you want to chuck in, like, you know, that I don't think they're of that standard quite, but they certainly 
borrow enough from it they're certainly obviously inspired enough by that stuff for me to go yeah you know if this gets somebody into something a little bit more interesting a little bit rawer a little bit more um a little bit less kind of identical than the type of metalcore that you know that kind of stood in a room nicking the riff from doomsday by architects metalcore that we just get every fucking week there's 10 of those bands and they're all awful um yeah, I got no beef with Beartooth at all, and I think this is a decent record. I think there's probably three or four songs from it that I will probably go back to and listen to. I don't know, I don't know if Beartooth have ever put an album out where I want to listen to it from start to finish. But throughout their career, they've always put records out where I've gone. I will cherry pick like four or five of these songs from this album, or one if you're talking about a second album, um, that I will probably want to listen to when I'm, you know in the gym or getting ready to go out or whatever because they just get you pumped up don't they and that's cool that's a good thing they do and i and i think that you know obviously it's not enough to just be a great live band but uh, uh, all these songs on this record um at its best moments at least i just think this is gonna sound so great live and i do when i see a band that i genuinely think are legitimate or earnest like i keep saying about Beartooth, um that just really know what they're doing that genuinely fucking love the music that they are inspired by. Like, you know, Caleb's favorite bands are like ACDC and Motorhead and those kind of bands. And like, you can hear in the tiniest little spaces, you can hear those little bits creep through in what he does sometimes. And like, if he's putting on a fucking crowbar riff or whatever, you know, it's because he loves crowbar. And it's like, it's also, it's also honestly and, and well executed that I just can't help but love them. And they're one of those bands that, you know, most of their fan base is almost certainly probably a generation behind me in terms of music fans. But um, every time I see them live, I just see loads of young people absolutely losing their shit and really believing in this band. And I can't help but not be swept up with bands like that. I feel the same when I watch bands like Architects. And even though Architects have been around quite a bit longer, but I feel the same when I see bands like While She Sleeps. You know, like the the best of all those bands, and I'm not quite putting better tooth on those levels, by the way, but the best of all those bands... Um, just make you believe in music and make you believe in like the excitement of being a young metal fan and just getting into all these bands for the first time. So yeah, like you said, Steve, in terms of them being like a quote unquote gateway band of sorts, I think you could do a lot, lot worse than Beartooth. And I think that they are a very fine band in their own right as well. Um, I think we've left the best till last year, haven't we? For oh, this week's review roundup. Without any question whatsoever. Yes. Which is... You know, when people say that's not saying much, that's saying very much indeed because it's been a very strong uh, period for album releases. But we're going to do the new album from Backwash. Um, and I feel like we can't really do this without just kind of briefly recapping uh, where this amazing artist first came into our lives, which was literally Steve just messaged me one day and going, I've just discovered this amazing artist, Backwash. She's incredible. Um, and then we started talking about her on the podcast and then we put her in the magazine and she ended up on the cover of... Uh, our big end of year issue last year um and now we're kind of back round again with another album so uh if you hadn't heard of backwash's story it's a really really fascinating one she's a trans rapper originally from zambia grew up in uh montreal canada um last year she put out comfortably her best work up until uh that point which was the album god has nothing to do with this leave him out of it it was one of the best albums of 2020 maybe the most interesting heavy music at all of 2020 it was like a fascinating violent subversive mashup of 
metal, industrial, trap, hip hop. There was so much going on in the space of 20 something minutes. Um, and we weren't really big on it. And Steve was really flying the flag for that record. Um, and now, kind of just over a year later, she's got a new album out. It's called I Lie Here Buried With My Rings And My Dresses. It's out now on Spotify. Uh, and I guess the answer, Steve, is how do you follow an album up like God Has Nothing To Do With It? One of one of the most unique things to hit metal last year. How do you follow an album like that up? And she's answered us. Yeah, like, like this. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean... You talk about it being the best album of the week. I'm probably, spoiler alert, but I would say this is probably my favourite album of any genre of the entire year so far. I think this record is absolutely fucking astonishingly great. And how do you follow up an album kind of basically made, I think, in her basement or bedroom or whatever. And it, it that record, to me, I think that, Sonically, maybe people might raise an eyebrow slightly, but this is very much, I think, um, the stranger fruit to God Has Nothing To Do With It's um, Devil Is Fine by Zelenada. When Zelenada came along, I think you know, Zelenada are, much like Backwash, one of the most interesting, unique and vital voices in heavy music currently operating in our scene today. I don't think that's a controversial thing to say. I think that's... A, I, ba- I back it completely. I think that's a, a f- as close to a fact as you can get with something like subjective like music. But um, but that record, um, God Has Nothing To Do With It, was, like you say, you know, it was about 20 minutes long. It felt raw and urgent and scrappy and was comprised of lots of different ideas, bits of Nine Inch Nails, bits of... Um, kind of horrorcore hip-hop bits of black sabbath like this very kind of inward looking record about the kind of shit that she'd been through over the last year or so and what we get here with i lie here buried is a much more confident follow-up in every way expanding on i would say pretty much expanding on literally every single thing that made that last album so good and adding in some other things and making it feel more like an album and bringing with her like the guys from clipping who produced one of the songs from it i think um jamie and shade from code orange had something to do with one of the songs in it as well there are high caliber people working with her now we should say as well she won the canadian juno which is kind of like the canadian equivalent for the the mercury music prize which is fucking excellent i mean if she won that i can imagine winning the canadian brit or a fucking grammy for this because i mean i know there are people again going back to zelanada who think devil is fine is their favorite record of the two zelanada records but for me i can see how it might be somebody's favorite i don't think you can say that it's better. I think there are elements in Devil Is Fine where it was clear that you know Manuel was still kind of playing with ideas and didn't really have the confidence or the budget or the surroundings or the time or the whatever to be able to really let those ideas fly. And then on Stranger Fruit, he does, and we've got exactly the same thing here. I love and I, you know, I, heavy music is great. Always, always going to be great. Metal is always going to be great. But there are there are like they say there's two ways to skin a cat or many ways to skin a cat. I don't know what the fucking saying is, but there are lots of ways to skin a cat and there are lots of ways to be heavy. And I think too many metal bands forget 
that there are lots and lots and lots of ways to be heavy. You can be heavy in a myriad variety of ways. And this record is super dynamic, super eclectic, really different, but it's only ever heavy. It is so heavy, whether she's doing dream pop stuff, whether she's doing straight ahead rap, whether she's doing fucking black metal, black metal on this album. Not like some kind of hip hop with a black metal sample, actual black metal track on it. I mean, I'm not fucking around, am I? Like the, you know, the, the title track is a black metal song, essentially. Right. Do you know what I mean? And, and, um, and it's got shit on it, which I've just never really heard before. Like 666 in Luxaxa, which has got almost like this kind of... Um, it's traditional South tra- African singing. Yeah. We, we, we go, we've, got, um, we've got Backwash in the, in the current issue as well. Emma Johnson does a brilliant feature with her. Um, and yeah, she talks about that. It's, it's traditional South African singing that she's, she's mm. um, put in there. And, you know, and we've seen that before with like Roots by Sepultura and it's not like that is, you know, uh, completely the most unique, you know, to kind of lean in on that kind of more rootsy music. Uh, you know, Zeanlada, you could say, you know, Manuel did that as with kind of, you know, Delta Blues or whatever. But I've never heard anything like that before, which is a kind of electronic. It is, it's, it's a culturally different touchstone yeah. point and it, and it hits you in a slightly different way because X, Y and Z, you know. Mm. So you know, I've I've never heard that 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 done with kind of electronic hip hop beats and a, a sort of heavy metal attitude. I've ne- I've never heard that before. This album is spectacularly brilliant, spectacular. If you listen to one album, I'm going to say if you listen to one album all year, listen to this record. It's fucking incredible. Yeah, it's absolutely it's absolutely immense. It's just like you're always slightly nervous when. Um, an artist follows a brilliant album up in a relatively short time. You know, I know in a band used to do that all the time back in the day, of course, but it's just like, you know, are they going to, is this going to catch lightning in a bottle again? Or is it going to kind of dilute the, the, the early part of that artist's career? Um, I think she's done something genuinely astonishing with this album back. It's a fucking unbelievable record. Um, and what's so impressive about it is that it, it reaches so many different places and goes so all over the place. And yet it still retains this kind of singular driving vision and this kind of oppressive, like, it's like, it's like, it's mechanical and industrialized, but it's, it's also kind of organic and writhing and breathing and spitting and seething. And like, it, it never kind of loses focus. It just kind of drives through the whole time. And it's like, you'd almost say it's one pace, but it's not one pace at all. But do you know what I mean? It kind of has this kind of, it's like once it starts going, it's just slowly going ahead and nothing's stopping it. And it just drives forward and forward and forward and forward. And there's all these things going on around the outside. But at the heart of it is this horrible, oppressive, dark, emotional core that just never goes away and it makes you feel uneasy it makes you feel invigorated it makes you feel like not a lot of music will manage to do in the space of like i mean even this album's only like 33 minutes long or something um and yeah the title track i like here buried is uh it's got black metal reference points all over the place i mean her vocals on it are so like just out of left field they sound like danny filth gargling hot sauce or something they just sound absolutely mad um and like 
we don't always talk about her as an actual rapper because there's you know our reference points for the podcast and stuff in particular are always gonna be around the metal stuff but just her delivery on some of these songs is just so fucking fierce and driving and 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 constant i mean her bars on um on uh oh, where is it thy holy name like a syncopation on that track is so good it just never lets up and it has you pulling those kind of like fuck yeah screw faces that all the best rappers do when they're just on a roll and they're just you can't fucking like they, they just can't stop um so yeah that was a very long-winded way of saying i think this album's absolutely brilliant i think 666 in luxana is absolutely a a good reference point um uh, and and also it's all so personal as well it's in the same way as the last album was it's also intrinsically linked to her experience and her identity and it and it projects that in such a vivid way that you're just drawn instantly into her world and instantly into her emotional state um and the, you know the reason she used those uh those south african singing samples that we talked about is because that track talks about colonies coming into african communities and installing christianity and stripping the natives of their own culture and spirituality um so again it's all kind of very carefully considered it's to do with her history her identity um and it just feeds into backwash basically putting her life story onto tape but in a way that just I and mean, we've talked about Jesse Leach and and Caleb Shomo being great kind of orators of their life experience, but Backwash does it in a way where it's like you feel like you're trapped in the middle of one of our own nightmares or something. It's just really startling stuff, um, and it is just completely unlike. Uh, like we can say this a lot, but this is there's you know certain times where you have to say it with absolute conviction. This is unlike anything else you will hear this year. I don't care what else is going to come out. There's nothing else that's going to come out like this album. I don't think. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I've already said I think it's fucking brilliant, and I think you know the, the, the amount I've gone on about bands like Clipping and Code Orange, and I was always like, they're the sort of, the absolute gold standard of the thing that I fucking love, both in hip hop and then in in metal, and this for me sits right in the middle of those two things, but yet doesn't really actually necessarily sound like either of them particularly it is again like you say very very unique very very kind of idiosyncratic of her and you know yeah you're right it's, it, it's terrifying it's it, and what it has i think god has nothing to do with it kind of didn't have and it took me a sort of while because i was like she sounds different on this and i was like oh she just sounds more confident but i think what it is is that of the last album which felt like you know somebody looking inside and being like well i think this is what's been happening to me and i feel like i'm sort of finding myself this feels like someone who's found themselves and is like yeah i i am totally confident in my own skin she feels totally confident in expressing her own ideas be that musically or lyrically like i mean one of the most one of the most important voices i think in music just just full stop at the moment like for my money fucking absolutely brilliant this record and i have to say when i sort of flagged up to you backwash a year ago and i was like i've just heard this it's really good and you were like wow this is really good and i was like this is great and like you say i i even i as someone who was like i think this is real good man even i am pretty staggered by the jump you know the jump feels significant to me you know, and, and I loved that last album. I thought it's fucking amazing. But this jump feels really, really super significant to me. Like quite, 
quite a, a quite an incredible jump, which I I I'm not sure I would have predicted to be honest, because I I'm not sure that anyone could have done really. Yeah, it's it's so awesome to 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 hear and um, to know that this is like a legitimately vital young artist who, if there's any justice in the world, is going to become a real name in in not just this. I mean, this is a great thing. Like you know, we're we're kind of really pushing her and celebrating her and Metal Hammer, but you know, our corner of the music industry might not even be where Backwash ultimately kind of. Uh, finds her biggest platform but um this is you know if you want to if you want to hear something that sounds different that sounds cutting edge that sounds vital um then this is the album you need to get in your ears immediately it's so so good um you got something else to say i I was going to say one last thing what i will say is a few people have in the past sort of gone to me, oh, you know, you're being real snobby about stuff like Scarlord and Horror and Bob Villain and stuff like that. And I'm always like, no, 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 no. I don't I think all that stuff that we you know, that kind of area of hip hop that that kind of crosses over that we that you know that we embrace in Metal Hammer and stuff, like I don't I don't dislike it because it's hip hop. I just think, well when you listen to like really, really good sort of interesting experimental hip hop artists and then you listen to horror, you're like, ah, I think there's a bit of a drop off. And for or Scar Lord or Bob Villain or, or any of those things, right? I mean, put the Bob Villain album on and then put this on and tell me I was wrong. Because it's not even close. It's not even close. This is this is what I'm talking about. Like for that stuff, yeah, no absolutely no shade to those artists at all. I think a lot of them are still finding their feet and they're doing stuff which is a kind of cool idea, but I don't think any of them have really nailed it. This is what it sounds like when you nail it. Yeah. And it's just the best thing about it is it's just like it feels like this could only be the start. I mean, this is on why I imagine is not the biggest budget an artist would have had this year. Um an artist who's not even toured internationally or anything like the potential for backwash is huge and yet she's already put out an album which you know as steve said could end up topping a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of um end of year lists come the end of 2021 do not sleep on this album don't sleep on this artist backwash is the name uh, if you've never heard that before um even on this podcast it's back x wash by the way because that's all the cool kids do it now um but the, the album is called i lie here buried with my rings and my dresses it's out now Make sure you check that out. Also, check out the latest Bear Tooth album below. It's very, very good indeed. Also, check out the latest Let the Gates album, The Nightmare of Being, which is excellent. Also, check out Times of Grace, Songs of Loss and Separation. If you're going to just check out one album off the back of this podcast, um, chances are you would have probably heard at least a couple of these already. Uh, but do make sure you go check out that Backwash album. But um, yeah, it's a turning into a good old year for releases. Is it strong, not strong week. Strong, well, strong period. Like there's, there's a few... There's a few other things coming along as well, which are are really good, I would say, as well, without wanting to go into it too much. Oh, yes. There's a lot of stuff going on. We know there's a new album, a new, excuse me, a new Iron Maiden album coming. Um, Trivium has just released a new single. We didn't even talk about that new Trivium track. What a fucking slayer of a song. Absolute killer of a song. A Trivium going to have a new album out? Maybe. That'd be exciting. Um, there's, There's all sorts of stuff going on. The year is nowhere near done for great releases and uh, we'll be on hand to cover them all. Don't forget to go and pick up the latest issue of Metal Hammer now, tinyurl.com slash 
get hammer to order it direct or go to your local shop and pick it up as well system of a down on the front cover as we celebrate 20 years of the amazing toxicity album and don't forget to head over to the brilliant killstar people at killstar.com to check out their awesome range of stuff that they've got our lovely lovely sponsors cheers for everyone for listening in we appreciate it very much cheers for joining us once again steve on this week's show we will see you next week right here on the metal podcast goodbye bye 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 bye